Conrad, uh, I understand that you recently served as a chaperone. Tell us about what you were chaperoning. So I was a high school chaperone. There was a group of 25 kids. We flew down to Houston and went to the first robotics competition, which is it's even nerdier than it sounds. It is an amazing organization that was started some 25 years ago out of MIT. And it is, if you can imagine BattleBots without the destruction, but for high school kids. And so these kids get a different problem and they design and create robots and program robots and build robots and fix robots when things go wrong and they compete against each other. We went to the world's championship. It's just a wonderful event and they've done an amazing job of making this, while it's extremely competitive, they've done an amazing job of making it more collaborative than competitive. And it was just just fantastic. I will tell you, and I had had nothing to do with this until my daughter got involved. It's a great way for kids to get involved in STEM. It's really expensive to build and create robots for a high school team. And so if you are looking for a local link building opportunity, there are some 3,000 teams around the world. It's almost certain that there is a local robotics team in need of funds. And so a really easy way for you to generate a highly local link is to reach out to the one to 10 schools in your area, donate a thousand bucks to these programs and get a link back from almost all of them because they're nerdy kids. Almost all of them have their own website, super localized link back to your site. You win. Isn't that link buying? It is sponsoring local children, you awful person. (laughs) Oh, you know how I feel about links. Um, (laughs) Did you have some misadventures on this trip? Uh, you know what? So I <laughs> just on my way back, the reason we're, we, we're going to be pr- producing, we're recording and producing this in lightning time is after watching these amazing children program robots, they're doing autonomous robot work. So the robots are working purely programmed and then it switches over to uh, kids actually controlling the robots. I was watching my plane, the, uh, sitting on the plane, watching the bags come out of the plane, watching these humans do what the robots had literally just done. Right. So you're picking up stuff and moving it from one, one cart to another. I noticed my bag didn't come off of the plane. So after watching all these kids do an amazing job, American airlines sent my luggage to Chicago and sent it back to Seattle. So all of my recording equipment spent the evening in Chicago. And now that we are four minutes in with the banter, we would like to thank our listeners because we are out of time for today's episode. (laughs) One last thing, though, Conrad. Yeah. Tell me about the shirt. So the shirt was amazing. I got this yesterday when I got home from Houston waiting for me. You'll recognize the crisp colors and branding on this. I was on the the podcast. We've mentioned that a couple of times, Game Changer podcast. And I got a customized thank you gift. It says affinity over awareness, which, you know, Michael and I had talked extensively about how brand affinity is much more valuable than brand awareness and what can you do to create brand affinity. Anyway, in my office, when I got home was a gift of a customized t-shirt, affinity over awareness from Chris. You know, we talked about the purpose of, of sending individualized, customized thank yous. Great example of that. So when you are sending out your thank yous, Take the time, write a note, send something about the person you're sending it to, not about your own firm. Great idea. And well executed. All right. Well, what else we got besides uh, field trips and lost luggage and awesome t-shirts today? 
So we are, as usual, hitting the news. Interesting stuff coming out of the news. Guy and I had an amazing conversation with Joy Hawkins, the queen fairy godmother of Local Search, and we are going to pull some clips out of that conversation for you, dear listener. And finally, and I'm excited about this, we're going to, in the spirit of talking further about reviews, we're going to share an amazing tactic brought to you by one of our listeners, Ryan McKean. Lockwood, hit it! Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome, friends, to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Let's jump right in. All right. So, a bunch of stuff coming out recently. Clio launched their solo and small firm trends report. So, if you are a solo or a small firm, please check out Clio's recently launched solo and small firm trends report because, as always, packed with usable goodies. Spoiler alert, solos have to do everything and have no time to actually build time. <laughs> All right, so don't go download it because Guy just told you everything. <laughs> no, spend the time, read this. Because you have to do everything, this is a great place to learn a lot about the everything that you need to do. We had another acquisition, Guy. What's going on in the acquisition world? Yeah, at the other end of the spectrum from solos, yeah. Latera acquires a CRM product, Upper Sigma. So, um, you know, Latera is definitely in the game to create the quote-unquote operating system, full client service journey, supporting lawyers and the legal industry. And so kudos for them for that big acquisition. It should be very beneficial to the big law folks. And moving right back to small law, <laughs> there are two new providers that have recently jumped into the solo and small firm marketing game. Both of these two are very familiar to you and me, Guy. Who's up first? First, we have Martindale Avo launching its solo marketing arm. What are they offering in that, Conrad? It is, I believe what they've described as a templated custom solution for, for solo small firms. Uh, we'd love to learn more about this. They unfortunately launched this with just a press release. I'd love to talk to a practitioner who's, who's using their services and you know, opportunity for you to get involved in this. I was really surprised by this move because you know, as a really primarily a software platform, right? as a publisher, this one thing is very, very unscalable. Doing digital marketing is, as you and I know, extremely unscalable. And so it sure was Sure it is. You just, you just give links from avo.com. This is what Fine Law did. Wow. The cynicism comes. And Guy's back with cynical comment number one. And, well, in fairness, Avo was already used to do that even before the sold. You could get links from avo.com. So. so you're suggesting this is just a link buying thing? No, I'm not Again. suggesting anything. I All have right. no idea what it is. So we would love to hear from you. If you are a customer of the Avo marketing platform, we would love to hear about you. And uh, another person that we would love to hear from is a client of Carolyn Elephants. Guy, what's Carolyn launched? 
AI and automation for solo and smalls. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, we're, and as listeners know, we're big fans and personal friends of Carolyn pulling for her. And she, I think, is uniquely positioned to deliver some real value as a solo herself. And um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see that offering come out. And I already saw some positive uh, chatter about it in the Facebook group. So um, kudos to Carolyn for launching that and check it out if you haven't. Yeah, she's been, she was, you know, I call Carolyn the, the, the godmother of the solo law firm. She's helped more solos than I would say anyone. I'm sure we can't substantiate that, but I'll, I'll confidently make that assessment. And I've been spending lots of time talking to her over the past two years about what to do with her blog, my shingle. And it looks like this is the natural evolution of that. And so we'd love to hear from a user, one of Carolyn's customers, as well as someone from Barndell Lavo. When we come back. No, go have it. Sorry. Nope. You go. You go. This is what happens when you have two overly play. I feel like we're crossing the street in Seattle or opening a door for each other in Seattle. We're so passive aggressively polite with people that it just gets awkward. By the way, no jaywalking in Seattle. That was something I learned the hard way when I first. Did you get a ticket for jaywalking? I didn't, but I was uh, very surprised to even get a reprimand at all because in Chicago, jaywalking is walking. Yeah, yeah. You can shoot up on the streets of Seattle. You can sell sex on the streets of Seattle, but God forbid you cross a yellow blinky light. You will get a ticket. Is that You know what? If you're around the country, if you live in a place where they enforce jaywalking, aside from Seattle, we want to hear from you. <laughs> and we apologize in advance. Let's take a break. All right. When we come back, Joy Hawkins is going to drop big knowledge on the problem of spam in local reviews. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app. Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads. CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments. Know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free. And we're back. And we are super grateful to have had the opportunity to speak with Joy Hawkins from Sterling Sky, who, as Conrad calls the godmother of local SEO. Or no, that was not for Joy. But the queen and godmother, I think. The queen. I called Carolyn the godmother. Crossing my wires. I'm crossing my wires. Any event, Joy's awesome, super smart. And the conversation started as a quick Facebook conversation, messaging, 
about rant. the problem, rant, the problem that is fake reviews on Google business profiles. And so um, we're going to run a couple of clips. Conrad and I are going to uh, respond to them, but here's Joy talking lawyers buying fake reviews, the trends and some of the risks and rewards of doing so. I definitely am seeing more of it with lawyers than I used to. I feel like in the past, I used to see that lawyers kind of shied away from doing anything too blatantly obvious because they were scared, right? Scared of what might happen to them, to their you know license and all that stuff. I'm starting to see some lawyers get pretty obvious with it. So a couple of cases, there was one that I was looking at where they were LSA reviews. And I mean, these things were so obvious. Uh, this lawyer is in Texas and... The uh, reviews were pouring in at such a high rate. He was getting reviews on Thanksgiving Day, and they were like reviews that all said the person had visited there in like three years prior. So it's crazy how obvious the patterns were, how fake. Like, there's no way they're real. There was another case I was tracking with just plain Google reviews where they went from 30 to like 130 within like two months. And again, really obvious patterns. Like there's no way they're real. They're clearly bought reviews. Part of me is like, what What do you do about this? Because uh, I'm a firm believer that reporting it to Google does nothing and is a giant waste of time. Oh, wait a second. Um, That's what Google tells us to do. Yeah, it's just like clients of ours are legitimately wondering, like it's, it's really hard to compete against because of the benefits that they get. Like the pros currently outweigh the cons. So it's just a question of what do you do? What are the action items that lawyers can be doing? So, Guy, this is a huge problem. We're seeing this all the time. And we field questions all the time about, you know, what can you do, right? Your take on on the what you can do part. What you can do. So, you know, you can call up a competing lawyer in your area and say, I mean, again, I'm assuming you're a lawyer that's going to do something about this because I don't know who else is going to do anything. You know, it's a, it's a self-regulating profession, right? So you call up your friend and say, hey, Knock it off. You know, you can get formal about it and create How's a cease that gonna and, go? Not well. Send a cease and desist <laughs> yeah. letter, especially if your competitor is going to go jump in a lake. You can report it to the state bar. Same thing, though. The state bar, like Google, they just don't have the resources to combat what's going on. I, I suspect we're going to see someone get made an example of at some point, like badly, but it hasn't happened yet. You can go to the FTC. Probably the same problem. You know, the FTC, and we'll put this in the show notes too, the FTC just released some guidelines and guidance for businesses about fake reviews. And they, they at least in theory, want to take a position on it. But my hunch is, again, they're not resourced to actually combat this. And, and Google puts out stats about this. And, you know, and these are their PR stats, so take them with a grain of salt. But they're knocking out a lot of fake reviews. But Honestly, it's like a handful of grains of sand on a beach. Like, they, I don't think the people really realize the magnitude of this issue. And and so, um, I don't know. I you know the other one that that we talk about is you can publish about it. You know, you can out the competitors and be like, look, we know these firms are buying fake reviews. You know, Joy's point, they're so obvious, and the lawyers aren't scared because there's no grievances, no reprimands coming from the state bars. Sure, they're probably some of them are taking a reputational hit in their communities because people are like, you're cheating. But you know what? They're like, this is big business. I'm ranking in the local pack because I got 5,000 reviews. The cash register at my firm is ringing. But clearly this is an ethical 
pretty straightforward ethical violation. It's a pretty straightforward violation of the FTC rules. And it's gross. Stop it. And those FTC rules, just to be super clear on this, you cannot absolve yourself of responsibility by outsourcing the fake review generation to a scumbag agency. You are responsible for... They, but they've been very specific in their updates. Like you are now responsible and they've been very clear about that updated terms that the business is responsible for the actions of their agency. So, and not just the FTC, the, the state bars, same thing. The state bars, you cannot delegate your ethical obligations to your agency. I believe it is Brian Tenenbaum or maybe Scott Greenfield who said outsource your marketing and you outsource your ethics. They, those two Shame on you. Us. It was Eric Turkowitz. It was Turkowitz. All right. Turkowitz. Eric Turkowitz those names one of, in a while. Well, no, we haven't. But uh, he just completed, I believe, I'm going to get his age wrong on this, but just completed another amazing marathon for his birthday. And I'm we're going to edit this out if I bungle this. I believe it was his 63rd birthday. So happy birthday to you, Eric Turkowitz. Keep running and uh, don't outsource your marketing to people who are going to get you to lose your license. All right, so back to Joy. One of the questions that we posted to Joy is, all right, it's such a problem. Should we even play in the game? I think to compete, you can, but you have to get aggressive and creative with your review tactics. Like I consulted with a really ethical firm for a long time, and this came up over and over over the years. And initially they were, you know, doing things like buy the book, whatever. And I think over the years, they've realized that like the volume that their competitors are getting, they can't keep up with. So they kind of changed their tactics around to start asking everybody that called into the firm for a review, despite if they signed them, despite anything, like they started getting kind of creative with it. But I think it's smart as far as I know that it's not any, it's not an issue from Google's guidelines for sure. Um, And I think it's sad. I think it's sad that you have to do that. I, I, I definitely don't think lawyers should go buy reviews. I hope a day is coming. But I also feel like outside of my morality and ethics, I have a hard time defending why they shouldn't. Brutal. Brutal honesty coming to you from joy. You know, the reality, Guy, I think the part of that that's just the, the hard part for a smaller firm, we talked about solos at the beginning of this. There is a volume component to this. There is a recency component to this. And if you can't generate a volume of reviews and it's harder as a solo to generate a ton of reviews than it is as a 40 lawyer firm, it's difficult to compete. And volume is a, is a game. I think you need to look at your market and decide whether or not this is a channel that you can play in. Yeah. I mean, here's my thing about it. And we talked about this with Carolyn as well, but when you pose it as like, should you do it? It's like, of course you should. Cause guess what? We're thinking about this very myopically like SEO people. Guess what else? Ah. When people search your name, that's fair. Your profile comes up, so you better be sending people there regardless of the number or the volume or any of that stuff. You better be sending people to your Google business profile and plant those seeds now if you're a small firm like to Conrad's point, you know, maybe this isn't your top priority. I wouldn't spend all the money in the world and your entire marketing budget and all your resources on trying to get your Google business profile to rank when you don't have competitive number of reviews. But the tactical thing here too is because a lot of folks are like, you know, how do I even level set this? Go do a search for your target queries and see how you stack up. See who's ranking there. If they're, if the firms, if you had a Morgan and Morgan shop in town and they've, they've got 5,000 reviews at that wow. local office. How would they do zero, that, Guy? I don't know, but um, just <laughs> providing great service. But if um, if you've got zero or five, 
Well, guess what? That's a long-term play for you because it's going to take a long time for you to close that gap. And we talk about this with Darren Shaw and hopefully we might get some clips from that interview at some point too. And uh, we've talked about with Darren and, um, and his summit, but ranking is not enough. You actually have to have reviews in order to convert. Like, why is anybody going to call? You can rank all day in the first position. You have no reviews and number two's got 10,000. Who do you think they're calling? Not you. I think it's a salient point that we should not be myopic on the value of reviews. Yeah. They'll help you rank for local, which will generate incremental business, but they will also really importantly help you convert those that are referred to you right and without them people are very much walking blind i think that is a very very salient point and and one that as a marketer it's often overlooked all right so what do we do right you got the fake reviews joy what do we do and what happens at google when fake reviews are reported and google just so you know like to make it I'm not trying to be like the pessimist here. This is just the reality. Google, all they do is they take them down and then there's nothing stopping the business from getting more. So I actually saw this with a major law firm last year. There's a huge law firm. <laughs> you all know them. They lost all their reviews last year. I watched it happen, just sat there kind of eating popcorn. And like, they got back to their numbers really fast. Like it did not take long. They rebounded quickly. And then they get back to where they were within weeks every time. Well, that's disheartening. And you and I both know who she's talking about. I have no idea. That's a bunch of garbage. <laughs> yeah, my, the other thing I think about with this too, and I was actually, and I would love if this, this is a great opportunity for listener feedback. I put out a uh, GBP signal for like, hey, have you ever had your account suspended or your visibility removed specifically from fake reviews? Right, and nobody has said anything. I thought. One person on the local search forum said that they did have their visibility impacted. But that seems like the no-brainer thing. When Google identifies a fake review pattern, instead of just taking the reviews down, why don't you knock them out of the results like you do with every other penalty? Right. That, that Danny was, Sullivan. That pr- What's up, Danny easy. Sullivan? Come on, Danny. Take your link approach and apply it to reviews. That's what Guy's saying. Danny Sullivan's cell phone number is... <laughs> Hey, so another question, and I think the answer to this question has evolved, is we wanted to know if if this is coming from agencies or directly from the lawyers. What did Joy have to say? One case, it's a thousand percent the agency, but the lawyer can't pretend they don't know. You don't go from having 30 reviews to 130 in two months without noticing. Like you'll see those requests. You know, they're not clients. You also can tell they're written by SEOs based on how they're written. Like very, very similar patterns, clear patterns. You look at enough fake reviews. It's really obvious. So, so you're blaming there's no the way they agencies. don't know. You're- the agencies are the one posting them, but the business is paying the agency and they know what they're doing. Like they know that these aren't real reviews. There is no way they can claim they don't know. Yeah, they know. I mean, let me tell you a couple of examples here. Number one is some of the same review profiles that we know are leaving fake reviews for lawyers. You see them on other law firm profiles and I get the email from the vendor who's the same profile as the people leaving fake reviews, selling the fake reviews. So, hey, Gee, you want to buy some fake reviews? And it's the same person who's leaving the fake reviews. So the lawyers are getting those emails too. They're buying fake reviews. It is total BS. Uh, this is, I mean, again, I, as a agency owner, I'm extremely biased, but I'm also a licensed lawyer. And I will tell you that we get requests from lawyers saying, 
how do I get my review numbers up? Like, look what this person's doing. Can we do that? And I'm saying, oh, sure, you can do it. And in my opinion, you should be reprimanded and probably fined by the FTC and those reviews should be taken down. But the lawyers know, especially these big dogs. You're telling me these big dog firms, they've got 5,000, several thousand reviews. Oh, I, I, just, I just thought we were doing a great job for clients. Come on. And, and don't forget that you guys, the legal industry blew its mind when Avo launched and you could review a lawyer. You lost your mind and now you're in bed with it. So for those of you who want to continue listening to us, go take a hot shower, gargle some bleach, and it's actually worse than it seems because of the way Google handles the reporting of fake reviews. Listen to Joy blow your mind about how bad this is. It's important. Again, I feel like I'm really pessimistic here, but like just so people are aware on why it's such a problem, something that I feel like a lot of people don't realize is that fake reviews on Google, they do contribute to ranking. So yes, they are helping people rank. When they get removed, that ranking benefit doesn't go away. So they don't actually get deleted on the back end, they get hidden. And I feel like that's important for people to realize because that's even more of a reason why we need to prevent it instead of this whole like report it to Google and have them. Can you go them. back and say that again? I want to emphasize yeah. what you just said. Yeah. Let's repeat it. It's a that big deal. That is, that is a very, very dumb nuance to this. Go ahead. So Conrad, you're a lawyer and you go by 500 reviews and you're like ranking number one all over Seattle now because of it. Someone reports you to Google, Google removes all 500. You don't lose your rankings and the yeah. reviews don't actually get deleted they get removed from public view. So like you'd still see them if you logged in under the profiles that left them and stuff. Like they're they're not actually removed. So the ranking benefits are still there. That is bonkers. I've mentioned it a few times to Google. But, you know, <laughs> they don't listen to everything I say. That's not Google. funny. <laughs> Fix your shit, man. This Fix isn't your funny. shit. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? So back to Joy's original point. And now, you know, I feel like we just... We're going to contribute to the pollution. But what's the disincentive? Go out and buy 500 reviews and then just go and uh, get them, self-report them, have them taken down. You rank, the fake reviews don't show up and you're still ranking. What a cluster. So remember everyone, we are going to post the full conversation between Guy, Conrad, and Joy in the show notes for your listening pleasure. All right. We're going to take an ad break and come back and talk more about reviews in an optimistic, positive fashion. And now for a quick word of gratitude for a recent review. Jeremy Witter, I apologize if I mispronounce your name, writes, Great tactical podcast for lawyers. LHLM is my first listen to podcast every Wednesday chock full of actionable tactics that can legitimately move numbers in your legal practice. The hosts know what they're talking about. Well, at least Conrad does. Thank you, Jeremy. We really do appreciate it. And if you're enjoying these little rants, please do go to Apple Podcasts and drop us a few kind words. And Jeremy, I really appreciate your comments about Tactical. You should, everyone know, at the top of the show notes, just to keep us thematically on point, it says every single week, is it tactical and is it controversial? Those are the things that we like talking about. We like to tickle your funny bone and provide you with something that you can actually walk away with. So I appreciate you calling that out. All right, coming back to reviews. The other day, I had a conversation with someone and I said, we need to be intentional about business karma. 
It's like, what do you mean? This sounds like a NBA mouthful of garbage. What are you talking about, Conrad? And what I meant by that was, what can you do systemically to proactively go out and be a good citizen, be a good person in a corporate setting? And yeah, okay, what does that really look like? What does that look like pragmatically? What does that look like tactically? What do you mean, Conrad? And the answer to that question came on LinkedIn that very same day. This comes from Ryan McKean. I saw this and I was like, you get the intentionality of business karma. I'm going to read this for you. This came out of uh, LinkedIn two weeks ago from Ryan McKean. Reviews mean so much to small businesses. I challenged our team at Can I Get a Trial Firm to leave 100 reviews for local small businesses that they love in April. When we hit that goal, we get a taco truck on Cinco de Mayo. If you're reading this, please leave a review for that local small business that did right by you. It will mean more to the owners than you can imagine. I'd love to read your reviews in the comments. Holy cow, Gee. And, and, and we shared this. You and I both talked about it. It kind of took off, and a bunch of other lawyers have picked this up. But why do you think this was so awesome? Well, I mean, I think that this is not the first time we've talked about Ryan on the show. And so, Ryan, thanks again for being a great lawyer and a, a great business owner and a great person. But it to me, it starts with this idea of spreading the love, right? It's like, this is someone who's a small business owner himself, and he knows the value. I mean, we talk about these reviews. I mean, if you listen to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, if you listen to our prior segment, Amazon has trained everybody on these reviews. And so, Business owners, this is the lifeblood of healthy businesses. And, you know, so many times, too, it's like it's just a matter of like nudging folks because everybody has these businesses that they love. But, you know, take the time to actually uh, go say something nice about them and then to incentivize that will give you a taco. So there's some gamification, but it really comes back to the, to me, it comes back to the sentiment of like, we actually do care about our local business community and we're going to do something to help support them, get the word out and get people talking about the great businesses. Because guess what? Here's the thing. I was actually talking to, I think I was talking to my wife about this the other day. If you've got a local business you love and you end up going to the big box store because you want to shop on price or something, guess what? Don't expect that that local business is going to be there forever. Right. You know, as a consumer, that part of it is also like, and, and as, a, as another business owner in the local community, the obligation's on us to support these local businesses. It's not just a cliche. It's also for me, especially the supporting local businesses, it's such an easy thing. Like it's not, you're not taking sides. I don't, I don't mind when people get into politics. I don't mind, like, I feel like you should be your true self out there. You're only a good person if you're supporting a small business. You're a horrible person if you hate small businesses. And so it's a really easy thing to make yourself look good. The other thing that I love about this Guy, it's his staff, right? And I think there is a carry-on effect to, okay, we're going to go out and review a bunch of small businesses. And in doing so, you're going to think about those small businesses that are amazing and that are worthy of your review. And you're going to try and figure out how to make Connecticut Trial Firm a review-worthy business. You are going to make your business better by pushing this focus on why I would leave a positive review for another small business right outside of legal in my town. And I think that is amazingly powerful. I think it is one of those things that's frequently missed. It's not the lawyer frequently who gets the negative or positive reviews, by the way. 
It's the paralegal. It's the front desk, right? And those things are so amazingly important. And those things are, those are soft skills that are really hard to teach, but a great way to teach that inadvertently is by focusing on other small businesses that do an amazing job with it. And I'm going to give you another indirect, not a reason to do it, but another really positive indirect consequence of going out, especially as the, if you're the uh, client facing lawyer at your firm, every time someone pulls up that local business on Google, guess who pops up there? Yeah. Ryan McKean talking about how much they love that local business. And so even though, you know, it's, and I was going to say, even though it's just awareness, but it's not just awareness. It's actually affinity because of all the things that you said. It's actually showing a local business owner out there caring about the local business community. So it is affinity. It isn't just awareness. I I haven't said dark social yet on this podcast. Uh-oh. So. It's been a while. Bing, it's been bing, a couple bing. episodes. For those of you who had an over-under of 32 minutes before Conrad said dark social, you win. But this is what I talk about with dark social, turning, and, and you can focus it on, on local businesses, turning your location into a massive referral network by being intentional about your business karma, and you can do that with local businesses. So I think we've kind of beat this one to death, but for me, Guy, you know, I know a couple people picked this idea up. We talked about Josh Hodges on occasion. I know he brought that. I think Hunter Garnett in Alabama is doing the same thing. Why don't you, our dear listener, I challenge you to send the challenge to your own staff, 100 reviews, and see, see what happens. Because, you know, it cost Ryan a, a lunch at a taco truck. This is, not, this is not a huge investment. And it is a great investment in your community and in your staff. So I would challenge you. And if you do, we'd love to hear from you. Do your own 100 review challenge and see what happens. It can only be positive. And speaking of 100 review challenges, leave us 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> but with that, we are out of lists, uh, not out of listeners, we're out of listeners. We're out of listeners <laughs> and, because and out of time. we insulted all of them <laughs> at the beginning of the segment. <laughs> and fortunately, dear listener, we are out of listeners and out of time. <laughs> for today's episode of Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. But thank you for stopping by. And if you were dropped the link to this episode via Dark Social, please do subscribe on your favorite podcast subscription tool. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and we're on YouTube. So you can see our ugly mugs and Conrad's beautiful shirts at your own leisure. Thanks again for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Conrad and Guy out. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring, and firing 
and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.